Neil Kirby, lovely check. Kirby, 1-0. Another one plucked from the top draw from Frank Kirby. Hello and welcome back to the Frank Kirby Fight Club. Your one-stop listen to all things Chelsea FCW. Gosh, I had to think about that for a second. Uh, and all things Frank Kirby and of course the legend that is Frank Kirby. Uh, the legend that is currently on the sidelines because she's not feeling too well. So we send out all the love, love and care. I'm Mariam Naz. You might have seen me do some work on The Guardian. I am working there full time. I'm covering a lot of Chelsea content, going to the games live. Um, but this podcast wouldn't be anything without my co-host, Andre. Andre, how are you? <laughs> high, high praise. Uh, I'm doing good. Always doing so much better after a Chelsea, a dominant Chelsea win. Yeah, it's just it, there's so much to talk about. I think we should just kind of go straight into it. Um, as I say, five goals scored five unanswered goals. We had Ericsson on the score sheet. We had Beth England, not just involved in scoring herself, she scored the fifth goal, but also quite a few assists. Drew Spence with an absolute corker. Um, talk to me about the general vibe of today's game, because it was just, it was really nice to see. We've had a few games where we had to really slog it out because we've been missing key players. We've been missing Kirby, as I mentioned. But today was just, it was needed. You know, it was needed, and I think it was more needed because you need to make sure that 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 moment against Aston Villa when we scored and when Sam Kerr scored in stoppage time and we had the bonkers celebrations, we needed to make sure that that remained, like we carried that through. You Mm -hmm. can't just let like the energy from that die. And part of that is having performances like this. And I'll admit in the first half, I didn't ever think that Chelsea was in danger of losing this match. But I was like, it's going to be one of those frustrated matches where we're going to score late or maybe we get two goals late or something, maybe a penalty and we get out of there with a, and we advance uh, in the FA Cup, which which is great. But also it's not quite the style of performance you would hope against Birmingham City, who is bottom of the league table. And then Magda Eric, Erickson scored, which was just incredible. I love that it was her who scored. When I saw who got up and was and put her hands in the air, I was like, oh, this that just makes me so happy uh, that Magda scored right before halftime. And after halftime, that was it. Chelsea just went went crazy. And I loved every minute of it. Yeah, it's as you say, Chelsea really went crazy. We went through the gears. Um, and as you say, you'd think against a team like Birmingham, we had obviously a lot of changes. We saw Beth England return to the lineup. Uh, Drew Spence, we had a bit of a, a shaped up midfield. Before we go back over that first goal, because we will go back over that first goal and the celebration, what did you see today in Chelsea's lineup in terms of Emma Hayes and, and how many games we've had to play these past few weeks? I think we've had almost, I think we've almost been playing weekends and weekdays for consecutive weeks now, and it's it's a lot and, and missing key players. But today we had the return of a few players as well. Yeah, I was going to say it's only the 20th of March, and I think that was Chelsea's fifth game of the month so far. So yeah, it's been a lot of matches, uh, a really tight schedule. (laughs) This was kind of, we said it earlier, and you know, we we weren't, obviously we'd still want to be in the Champions League, but one of like the only silver lining to not still being in the Champions League is that we don't (laughs) have like additional matches to an already packed calendar because of matches that were postponed because of COVID and other things. So like, yeah, the team has been playing and of course, all the other competitions that we're in. So, yeah, the team has been taxed basically every three days in terms of the lineup. It was interesting. Um, Back to a back three. Mm-hmm. 
we had been doing, you know, four at the back from time to time. And of course, Emma Hayes has switched it up. Sometimes mid-game, she switched it up. But she kind of kept it. This one was a back three. Surprising to see a little bit. I thought that perhaps we would stick with the back four for a little while. It seemed like the team was being was a little more fluid in that. But, you know, in this match, we didn't we didn't really need we didn't really need to change a whole lot, I suppose, uh, especially once we got the goal. But, you know, you saw Drew Spence in the match uh, in the starting 11, along with Sophie England G in midfield. You had Neve Charles playing out wide on the as kind of a right wing back, which I just I, you know, I know we're going over the lineup, but I really just <laughs> want to say like Neve Charles has been incredible. Like I just am really I anytime you get like a young player who kind of like hits this run of like, oh no, I'm good. I can do this. I can play out here. And I'm I'm like, you see that confidence grow. And that's what we've seen this season from Neve Charles. And I'm just super excited to see where she goes. But I'll move on. Continue to cover the lineup. <laughs> and uh and Katchenberger was back in goal. I thought that was also an interesting thing. I know there was some questions in among like certain pockets of like Chelsea Twitter was like, oh, is uh, is Musevich our number one now? And I'm like, mm, I don't I, I don't I yeah. wouldn't go that far. I'm pretty sure Berger is still the number one, obviously, against Birmingham City in the FA Cup. That's not the kind of match where you say, OK, she solidified the number one. But we'll see what happens against Tottenham. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. As you say, a lot of positive changes in the lineup. I think the coolest thing for me, and you mentioned it, we didn't need to change. Often when Emma Hayes changes a formation during the game, and the Aston Villa game was a key one because I was talking to her in the post-match press, and she said they just they tried to change so many things, so many formations, so many systems, and none of it was working. I think often when um, when she does shift in the back three to four, it's because something isn't working. And if we didn't see that in a game, then we then we can kind of say that what she planned with and what she began with did, did work. Um, of course, coming up against Birmingham, respectively, was always going to be far easier than a team like Aston Villa. Um, but at the same time, the key players, a key sort of spine of this team, uh, missing Melanie Lupoltz, Fran Kirby, but having Ericsson back is such a big difference. It, it's amazing how one player can change everything else because... Once you have that confidence and belief in the central areas of your defence, everything else comes so seamlessly. And the biggest part of that, um, as you mentioned, Neem Charles, she was pulling the string so much from the width area. She was stretching that Birmingham defence and she was giving so much freedom to Beth England. And I think that this is something Beth England lacks sometimes when she doesn't have the the space to open up and, and do those runs into it narrows and restricts her play. But today we saw the best of Beth England. She scored a goal. She was involved in all the others. Um, it was a lot of positive changes today and we were able to stick with what we had. And that's the best compliment I think I can pay the team. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Bethany England and, uh, you know, y'all know I'm like, I'm a big <laughs> Bethany England stan. Like I love Bethany England. I think she's an incredible, I also think actually she's one of the unluckiest players in the WSL. I think not just because Chelsea just kind of decided to go into terror mode and get Sam Kerr and get Pernilla Harder, and then Fran Kirby came back and was playing amazing. Um, you know, you, you just, it's been difficult to, to say that Bethany England deserves to start over somebody like Sam Kerr. But of course, that's Sam Kerr. She's one of the absolute best strikers in the world. It's not like Bethany England, it doesn't mean that Bethany England isn't an incredible striker. But then also in Bethany England, like when Sam Kerr hasn't been available, Bethany England has also struggled a little bit with injuries. 
So I remember when she had kind of a concussion problem and she missed a couple of games where we were like, oh, this is going to be really cool. We get Bethany England for a few games and she wasn't able to play. And then she had a couple other injuries and some other moments like that. And it's just really frustrating because you do think you just have to remember how good of a player she is. She was so good for Chelsea even before Sam Kerr got there and and good with Sam Kerr there coming off of the bench in, in a limited you know, role, but you just look at a game like this today and, and it just really reminded you how good Bethany England is. I mean, you don't have to go back in the highlight reels too far to, to realize like she is devastating with both feet. She can score outside the box or from the edges of the box or outside the box with both feet. We've seen long range shots from her. We've seen poachers goals from her. We've seen brilliant build up play where she's holding the ball up and then laying it off and then making a run and getting on the end of it. You know, she does, she can do it all. It's just very difficult to say that she should ever start over Sam Kerr. And that's not a knock on Bethany England. I'm I'm delighted that she stayed. I'm delighted that she's getting opportunities and, and excelling in them when she can. But oh, it just it's it's just such a reminder of how good she is. And I, I could talk about Bethany England all day because I just I still remember. Her, her, it was until it was before the pandemic, 2019, 2020, her WSL season <laughs> was absolutely outraged. She had 14 goals in 15 matches played, 15 starts, and four assists. She was outrageous that season. And then we signed Sam Kerr, and it's like, yeah, thank you. But, you know, we got Sam Kerr now. I guess you're just going to come in when we need a backup. And she doesn't quite deserve that, but I also like massive credit to her for sticking with it and accepting the role. And when she gets in, this is what she can do. The first goal, we talked about Ericsson, we talked about that celebration, um, but it was Beth England who got the the first header, the knock-on header, and made it very easy for Ericsson to come in and simply nod in. She created that opportunity in space. Um, and then you looked at the second goal, and once again, she's in the action. It's Drew Spence this time with an absolutely cool river shot. You look at the third goal, which I think we should have a whole little segment for because you you tweeted it from the account and it got a lot of views. You're right, it was filthy. It was G, I think, who picked up the ball and she had this 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 sort of mazy run through the midfield and then passes off to Drew Spence and then there's that back heel. Oh my god, that was insane. What do you think of it? Oh, that that's that was, as soon as it, it's weird because you kind of saw it develop because as soon as G went on that run, you're like, you know, she makes the move, she makes the move, she gets by two players and you're like, okay, now she's in space. And then you kind of, this is what, this little move right here is why I love G so much is because she goes on that run, she kind of stops right at the top of the box, but she realizes she can't really stay there. It's just awareness. She knows that a player is chasing her from behind and I can't really stay here with the ball so all she does is shift it from her right foot to her left because she knows the player is going to close hard on her right shoulder and she takes them completely out of the game and gives herself a, a bit more time to allow players in front of her to make a move, to make runs and to open things up. And Drew Spence took off. She When she saw that, she just went, made a diagonal run right through the, the defense and it was a perfectly weighted ball. And then, of course, with the goalkeeper scrambling because now you have a player with the ball you know, behind your defensive line, you have to track that. Drew Smith's extremely intelligent back hill right to Bethany England, empty net, just one touch right into the... It was just one of those gorgeous Chelsea goals that should be replayed forever. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. Watching it live, 
you know, some sometimes a, there's a build up moment where you can tell like something cool could come from this. That's what happened when G started on that run. It was like, ooh, you know, you kind of sit up and pay attention. Like, I don't know what the result of this is going to be, but the way that it started is really good. And when G made that move to keep possession, you're thinking, oh yeah, this this is going to become something. And even at that moment, I still didn't think it was going to become that. <laughs> that was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. The, the thing is, I think a lot of people in that position where Drew Spence got the ball would be to shoot. Even though the keeper was rushing out to her, she still had the opportunity. She still could have. But to have the, the intelligence and the sort of vision to understand that the better opportunity here is to create space behind me, that is insane. Like, but also from the run as well, because as you say, G stopped at the at the edge of the box. She stopped and she was looking around. She was looking for a runner and Drew Spence caught on instantly. Just sort of that that ability and that mind to know that this player is looking for a pass and this and it's going to be, you know, a player like G, it's going to be a defence splitting one and it absolutely was. So each, each element of that goal was simply chef's kiss, the little Italian hands that I like doing, but no one can see. Um, but that was just... That was just Chelsea as a whole, I think. Um, against Birmingham, we picked our positions and our places. We didn't rush anything. Um, and I think that's something that we could actually talk a lot about because we've talked so much about Chelsea putting so much forward in their attack and missing chances and not being clinical. But here was a very calm and composed performance. And I think part of that was, as you mentioned, G, she opened up the midfield. And of course, even after that, after that goal, we had a couple more goals come in. And and Beth England was a big part of it, but it was G who was controlling everything, all the traffic that was coming through. And it kind of makes you think a lot more about who needs to step up in that position when Frank Kirby isn't around, because G can do it. You know, we've talked ages and ages about how she can do it. Um, has her, her strength is in that area. So with that in mind, I want to kind of ask you of how our midfield could and should look like if, if Kirby is out for a while. Yeah, so this was an interesting game to be honest. I think in the in so in the in the first mm, I'll say probably the first 20 30 minutes, the midfield was not looking all that great. Um we were we weren't able to really penetrate. There were some sloppy passes going on, moves were breaking down and it was getting a little frustrating. It wasn't that, you know, Birmingham, Birmingham City was ever like we ever got to a moment where it was like, "Oh yeah, they're possibly going to, you know, get one of these right and score." Um, because they still had to like time everything perfectly, which is just really hard to do, especially because they're only leaving one player up top. And we always had at least two or three players behind uh, to be able to deal with that. And you got to be so precise to be able to create even a half chance. I think they only had like one shot on target. And I think if it wasn't even like a, I, I, I'm trying to remember it. <laughs> it was so probably forgettable that I don't even really remember it. Uh, but I know it was just easily held. So it wasn't really that big of a deal, but the problem for me with the midfield was initially Drew Spence was the one who was kind of tasked with dropping deep, you know, um, collecting the ball and moving the ball forward. And that was not a great uh, role for her, I don't think, it's, it, at least in this match. You know, I think Drew Spence is a very good and interesting player, but I think Chelsea started moving a lot better once we started cycling through, you know, Sophie Ingle would come down and pick up the ball. You know, G would come down and pick up the ball. And that allowed Drew Spence to play higher. And that's when she ended up getting the goal and she got the assist. Um, and I think that that just, to me, kind of showed like, oh, yeah, Drew Spence is probably a much better kind of box-to-box player than kind of a player who's going to kind of drop deep, almost like a defensive midfielder, and be able to dictate tempo, 
and pacing and be able to move the ball to dangerous areas so that other players can start moving off of that pass and you can go ahead and build from there. So I thought it was interesting and I thought it was great to see Emma Hayes kind of direct other players to do that instead. You know, okay, you know, I'm going to change your role mid game. I'm going to have Sophie Engel now do this. I'm going to have G now do this. And then, you know, the rest of it kind of flowed from there, but it was really interesting to see. Um, so in terms of midfield without Melanie loopholes, it is interesting. You know, I would, I really don't know like Chelsea's best midfield pairing. Mm -hmm. I think it really depends at the moment on the opposition. I think you made a good point there, though, about how things are moving more swiftly and fluidly. And I, I do think I kind of do like this Ingle and G double pivot because I suppose you, you're always going to have one player who pushes back a little bit. But the thing that works so well with G and Ingles is that Ingles is very familiar, not just with the, the central defensive role, but also, um, sorry, the midfield defensive role, but also central defence. It's where she's become comfortable with the Welsh national team. Um, I think when you have Beth England, a player who's comfortable coming back and collecting the ball, it opens up more space. It gives G a, a lot more confidence. Now, I remember us talking a little bit about how um, without the the confidence of knowing that there's a defensive partner beside you, G has sometimes struggled. So I think that might be a way forward. Now, when Erin Cuthbert is fit enough, I think the return of her and a, and a midfield three um, would be really cool because you'd have the added support of Erin Cuthbert, who's very good at taking the ball forward, but also providing support um, the other way around and breaking up press encounters, something that Emma Hayes has drilled into her. She did an interview recently for the Chelsea um, site and as, as a preview for the last game, she was talking about how much work and effort she's had to put in. And, and you can hear it if you're at the games, you hear it as well, Emma's always shouting at her. So I think for me, that would be really ideal, but it kind of would put a bit of pressure on whether it would be Drew Spence or um, or Gura Wrighton as the other sort of midfielder in the mix and how that would work. Um, I think Gura Wrighton was key in the last few games when we didn't have harder um, and she definitely provided that presence up on the left flank. Um, but I kind of feel like Spence in a midfield position gives us a bit more creativity when we don't have Kirby. So now as I'm saying it, I understand why it's it, you've had difficulty answering the question too. But the the beauty of it all is that Emma Hayes is constantly moving things. As I said earlier, um, when things change a lot in games, it's normally because she knows what's working, what isn't. So um, as long as we can move things around and still have the kind of success we've had today, obviously, again, it's Birmingham. Um, but that's still a very positive sign. And it's going to be needed because we've got still a very difficult run of fixtures coming up. Yeah, I was going to say this is... It's going to be interesting. I think it was actually quite good to see Chelsea in a pretty different um, formation. I think if you look at most sites, and of course, we've said this before, but just in case you haven't heard it, uh, Emma Hayes only really believes, and has said this before, I believe it was in uh, the Stadio podcast when they did like a live show with Emma Hayes. Um, they recorded it and released it. It was earlier this season. Um, she was talking about formations because they talked a lot about you know, they they asked her a question about moving to a back three, and of course she said, you know, a lot of a lot of supporters have a lot of thoughts about it, but she thinks that formations, particularly in attack, is more. It's kind of archaic to talk about formations. Mm -hmm. um, you're only really in a formation when you're defending, is what she said, and I believe that a lot of that is accurate. But I also think you can help your defending part by making sure that players aren't too out of positions when the ball is turned over. So I, I think that that is also important. But, you know, you did look at it and today was a little bit of a different setup, you know, without having, you know, without playing 
Pernilla Harder or Sam Kerr or Fran Kirby, we didn't really have that that you know kind of like a, a backup front three um, line that we could go to. You know, you could say, you know, you put Aaron Cuthbert up there, you could put Jesse Fleming up there, and Neve Charles up there with Bethany England. You know, you could flank those players, but I think in this instance, it wasn't it wasn't really right to do with the personnel. So I kind of liked what Emma Hayes did and really just packed midfield. And had Bethany England, England kind of playing as a more traditional striker. And then from then on, you were kind of able to mix and match and figure out what the best roles are in midfield. And I think there's that's going to be the big thing going forward. Of course, you can't get it wrong for too long uh, against better teams. They will punish you. But I think it is good to have these kind of games where you realize and you see what different players are, more, are, are better at. So I, of course, want to see, I, I think... Chelsea's best midfield and what I would expect to see going forward is some combination of Sophie Engel and Aaron Cuthbert because I think Aaron Cuthbert is super super important in midfield without Melanie loopholes you really need that kind of engine in midfield to to make sure that players can't just play through it as easily as they could and she's extremely mobile and just a very very good midfielder and then I think Jesse Fleming um it's it's really between Jesse Fleming and G who gets that that next role um, in a in a three-person midfield. So I, I don't know. I think at the moment, the way that she's playing, I think you stick with G, which kind of hurts me being a Jess Fleming fan. <laughs> but but just the way G is playing and how important she's been, especially in those deeper roles, she's a little bit more versatile. You can trust her to drop back and, and get the ball to help build through a press. We haven't quite seen that from Jesse Fleming yet. So yeah, I, I think those three have to be considered Chelsea's best midfield. And Hopefully Emma Hayes agrees or else I'll look real stupid on Wednesday. <laughs> well, I, I think you made a really good point there about the experimentation. And as I keep saying, Emma said it herself, they always like to try and do things in, in games. But to a certain extent, you must know that uh, what, what is the right formation for you. Uh, and although, as you say, Emma doesn't believe in formations, we know pretty well what works for Chelsea as a team. When we have our strongest players back, uh, we know Lipotz isn't going to play for the rest of the season, but when we have Kerr, Harder and Kirby all playing, there's a certain system that works for them. And so much of that people don't realise is reliant on midfield because in their own right as individuals, they can change games. It's down to individual skill and talent. But when you have the midfield that can function and create balance, it just it provides opportunity for the front three. And I think we've done really well with that, even after we knew that Lipotz wasn't playing. Um so I think you're right in saying that that kind of midfield is something that's going to work for us. However, on the other hand, we do have, a, a bunch, as I said before, a bunch of difficult games coming up and you kind of think that the error and the margin for experimentation is kind of getting less and less. We play Spurs this Wednesday um, and we know that Spurs are hunting to get a Champions League spot. They're kind of right in the midst of that. They are, I think... They're, they're in need of a win against us this Wednesday. And I just wonder how much of the experimentation we're seeing and the rotation we're seeing is going to hurt us because you can rest players, obviously, but when it comes to the games that matter, and we obviously need to win this one before the matchup with Arsenal, um, we have to have a pretty strong lineup. There's, there's, there's going to be very little margin for error. So in saying that, I kind of have to press you a little bit um, for more information about our attacking setup. We know that we can play harder and Kerr. Not again, not very sure about uh, Fran Kirby's recovery, but we can expect a more attacking lineup in terms of how Spurs play. I'm going to actually let you answer that question first, and then talk about how Spurs play because I did do a little bit of research. I just really hope Fran Kirby's all right. Uh, one, of course, just for her own health. She's been so unlucky. We we know what she's been through in her life. 
you know, and it's just like, I, I hope that this isn't something that lingers. Um, you know, it is frustrating to not have many updates, but also it is a personal matter. So understood, but we, we just, honestly, I just want to make sure and know that she's all right. So I have no doubt that Fran Kirby, when she's able to get back on the pitch, she can flip the switch and be right back into her best form. So I'm hoping that that's the case. Uh, but until we see her in a lineup or until we have an update, we just don't know. So with that information, I definitely think if we're going with an attacking three, like we were kind of used to doing, whether a 4-3-3 or rather, or rather a 3-4-3, which I kind of want the 4-3-3 to return um, kind of for good. I'm thinking we need Pernilla Harder, Sam Kerr, and probably Gua Wrighton. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what I think, unless we unless we do like a four four two like we've done before. But yeah, I think um, you made a good point about Gua Wrighton there. I, I talked a little bit about why she was so important when Pernilla Harder wasn't there. You think about what what Wrighton does and why she was kind of brought in the squad in the first place before she kind of was needed in a more attacking sense. She provides a lot of support for our flank area, especially in defence. We haven't really had an issue like that for a while now. It was kind of a big deal last season. But the reason why it kind of um, kind of makes sense this uh, this Wednesday is because Spurs um, like to use their fullbacks a lot for attacking senses. And Ashley Neville is, is the big one. And you might not know this, uh, and I was actually doing some research on her a few weeks ago for a piece, but she's in the 90th percentile for expected goals for right oh, wow. backs. <laughs> uh, and she has similar stats for dribbling and ball carrying. Um, it has been down to relying on her that Spurs had really opened up. So they had an issue when Alex Morgan left in terms of who would um, provide that central role. Kit Graham was, was an obvious option. Um, they had Rachel Williams for a while, and, and all of that was kind of their experimentation period almost as you can see this season they've zipped up and and a big part is Ashley Neville not only does she provide crosses and and balls into the box but she is able to drift in very centrally and when she drifts in centrally the other playmaker that they have which is um I think it's Rose Ayan she is very good at opening up and and scoring um so that is a concern for me and I think having Gura Wrighton in when she's not playing further forward, you have a lot more security and a lot more confidence in your on in your fullback areas. As we know our own team, you know, we're a counter-attacking team. We like to push up really high. So another reason is when you play a high line, um, you're kind of inviting players like that to to have balls over the top. And Spurs have been really successful with that this season. So that's kind of my concern. I think Wrighton would be a good choice. Um Spurs also play with a very sort of strong back four, um, very regimented um they have a pretty good strong central defense so in terms of what we can do again midfield is going to be key fingers crossed that Aaron Cuthbert is fit because I think she's going to be a very big player she's going to be the player we need to drive possession forward and hopefully allow G to play where Kirby would be playing so um this is not by no means an easy game and I think that I really hope that the past few weeks of experimentation that Emma Hayes has had with the team I hope that she has a good idea of how to combat the Spurs side yeah, I was gonna say this ain't this this ain't gonna be anything close to an easy game. I I don't believe. I mean, I I think Spurs have had some weird, I'll say, results. <laughs> they're they're kind of a hard team to nail down. Some teams where you feel like, oh, they're they're much better than them, or when you want to see like when it's a big game, sometimes they fall apart. Like early in, like late in January, they had a three nil loss to Manchester United, and you were thinking, okay, these are the two teams who are trying to say particularly at that point, because Manchester City was still low down the table. You're still expecting one of those teams and you're expecting Spurs who had taken points off of Arsenal. 
to be like, all right, they're going to make sure that they're the ones who are kind of that third team. And it's going to be very difficult to get over them um, because Manchester United is, is in a bit more of a direct rebuilding phase, having just lost their manager. And of course, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. So, you know, you're looking at that and you're expecting Tottenham to have a big performance and then they go out and lose three nil. Uh, and then, of course, they turn that around in the FA Cup. They lose 3-1 to Leicester City, which is just weird. You know, I don't understand how that happened. <laughs> then they beat Brighton 4-0. And then, you know, most recently, they were, it was a, a kind of late, I guess, in about, I think it was just after the hour mark, Caroline Weir scored a goal mm-hmm. to give Manchester City a 1-0 win over them. So they played them really tough there. So it's just hard to tell what you're going to get from this Spurs team. And those kind of matches always make me nervous. Yeah, but you mentioned that um, that one 0 loss. I think that was the most interesting game because there were times like before that where they lost to teams that were much lower down the table. But I think a really good inclination of this side was how they played against Man City, um, which was really pushing City, really constricting City in the flank areas. Like I kind of said, um, City is sort of best attacking assets come from their flank areas. Uh, they've had almost three seasons of really good wingers. Um, it made sense that it was Caroline Ware who's going to score, but they did match City in terms of shots, shots on target. And City had nine, they had four, which is more than most teams really do. Um, City did have more possession, but they're a possession-based team. I think Spurs were looking to play on the counter. Um, in saying that, as you say, the, the results have been consistent. But one thing you can kind of know for sure is that they're going to see this game as a must-win. Just as we see this game as a must-win, it's it's same for them. They need to win and they need to put pressure on to getting in that third spot. Because as you say, at the moment, it seems United might have that um, in their grasp. So what we might see is uh, is something that they haven't been doing in the recent games. Maybe this is their experimental game. They're going to want it badly. We just kind of have to hope that we want it more. Um we won all our games in hand. The Aston Villa game was the one where I thought, this is it. We lose this and we're out of the race because mathematically it just doesn't work out. Um, so this is as much of a must-win game for us as it is for them. I think that could make it pretty interesting. You know, that's that's a good point. But I also think like I'm hoping that they have the same type of like approach to their must-win, to this is a must-win game as they had against Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that we can that. go out with a nice comfortable you know three nil win uh that would be great because they'll still have a time they'll, they still play arsenal again so they still have an opportunity to involve themselves in the title race they could just do it for our benefit as opposed <laughs> to our detriment so i'm hoping that they end up doing that instead but but no i mean it is going to be a tough one we we play them basically a month apart i believe we play them mm-hmm. on the 23rd of uh, march and then the 24th of april so we are going to see them uh a couple times within the next month and it is going to be interesting it's it's but this 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 one is the one to really get to make sure we get you know continue to put pressure on arsenal if they know that they have that breathing room in my opinion the title's already like wrapped up if if we end up dropping points so i'm hoping that that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. i think that aston villa you know match was so important so key for chelsea and the players to really believe that they can go out there and do this even if the match isn't going your way, you still have until the final whistle. And as long as you get the ball across the line before the final whistle, you are good. So I'm I'm hoping that we end up seeing more of that. It's just going to be, this, this is really the one. I think this one, the Reading one, and then Spurs again. Those, those are the matches that I really have highlighted. I know we play Manchester United on the final day of the season, but I think if we if we continue to roll, if we continue to pick up three points until then, 
I, I just, with Champions League and everything, I just, I honestly think Arsenal is going to drop more points. I do not think that they're going to win out the rest of the season uh, in the WSL. So I'm really, really hoping that Chelsea is able to get another three points and we get to see what Arsenal is going to do in response because I, I really do think that even though they've been playing well, when their confidence gets shaken, that Arsenal team can have like a bad week or week, a couple weeks, two or three weeks. And Wolfsburg is absolutely a team that can shake them because they shook the shit out of us. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested. Does seem to be the season of teams who are being ruled out the title title chase coming back. I mean, look at the men's league. Liverpool are doing it to City um, just as much as Chelsea are doing it to Arsenal. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. There are key games, and we just kind of had to smash it out um, this Wednesday and hope for a good result because. Everything we've done in the build up to this, everything has been for this game and moving forward. So I think if we if going back on what we've been building up in the Aston Villa game, if we kind of get a good result here, then it sets us up for the rest of the season. As you say, Arsenal are more likely to drop points. So fingers crossed that they do because it would really help us. And you know what? If we win against Spurs today and then they they win against Arsenal, we'll we'll consider it a done deal. Oh yeah, I would love that. You know, again, Tottenham. We, we we hate you <laughs> like honestly sorry but that's just the way it is uh but your best chance you know it's a north london derby too like the, like us over there in the west like west london you don't have like you don't have that kind of energy if you have a north london derby that's really the one to circle on your calendar and make sure you get points from you played arsenal very well last time should have won that game i'm actually really upset that you didn't you let them steal a point late in the game but you know if that's if you're looking to get involved in the title race that's the match. Not not midweek next week. Don't do that to us. Well, speaking of midweek next week, it is the time of the podcast where I must ask you for your predictions <laughs> and hope that you have been using this past 37 minutes wisely and thinking of what could possibly be, unless you, you'd done it before and just didn't tell me. Then, uh... <laughs> I mean, well, I've already kind of had a prediction in mind for this one because I don't I don't I don't think there's a whole lot to to like there's not a whole lot making me, you know, have to waffle back and forth trying to figure out a prediction, which is probably great because the listeners probably hate that anyway. When I just sit there and struggle for about thirty seconds, forty five <laughs> seconds, three straight minutes, who knows? Uh, I think it's going to be two nil to Chelsea. Um, I, I don't think that um, Spurs are going to be able to hurt us defensively, especially with Magda Eriksson back. Love that she's back. Loved how she was getting involved in carrying the ball forward. We haven't seen that from a center back in a while since she's been out. It's one of the best things that she does. Just watch her when she has the ball at her feet. She carries it forward or she plays a great pass. She played a number of really excellent switching uh, passes right into the right into the attacking third, too. So, like, that's a very dangerous pass. If we get with and players try to pack in tight, that's a very dangerous ball. And Magda Erickson can play it left to right. So very, very good to see to see her in this match. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at it being a frustrating match. But I think Sam Kerr gets a goal. And I think our Lord and Savior, Penilla Harder, also gets a goal. I was going to say, I think Penilla Harder, if she starts, she gets a goal because the way she Absolutely. played against, the way she get, played against Everton was just simply like, like she had a point to prove and, and she doesn't have a point to prove. So, um, yeah, I think she definitely Listen, gets on the, on the score sheet. What have I said the entire time? Like the best Penilla Harder is an angry Penilla Harder. And yeah, you she did. shows that did. time and time again, when she's upset, good things happen. Yeah, I, I think, I'm, I'm, well, let's hope she's really upset. Maybe we should get some of our fans to send some things to her. Of course, don't do that. But <laughs> no, I, I think mean. I think that's, if she's, if she's fit, 
I think Emma Hayes leaving her out of the squad is enough to piss her off for, for Spurs. Think so? I think maybe, I honestly think that may have been strategic unless there's an injury Ooh. or something that we don't know. I honestly think it's strategic because it also made sure that Emma Hayes couldn't say, okay, this game isn't going the way I wanted to go and save us Pernilla Harder. I think she wanted the other players to do it, especially which was a gamble, but not a massive gamble because it was Birmingham because it was Birmingham City, and we know their league form, and they're pretty much going down. They're going to be relegated at the end of the league season. But I I really think that Emma Hayes was like, I know you want to play every game, but I'm not going to let you. You're not even going to be in a squad, so oh, you know gosh. you're not playing this game. Look to Wednesday. Get yourself pissed off over the next few days, and let's see what you got. If, she, if she's done that, then points to her, because that's just like, that is just... <laughs> That is just kind of a god way of thinking, but um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say three 0 because I, as I was saying, I think if Penella Hard is playing, then she's gonna score, and if Penella Hard is playing, then Sam Kerr is gonna score because that's just how it works. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's gonna be a pretty strong performance. I just hope that neither of us are like you know proved so wrong, and it turns out to be like a you know another ninety two minute one nil win because don't I even just, speak I don't, that into existence. What are you? I don't doing? have the strength for that. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> the stress. Oh Ugh. gosh, and I would be. Oh my god, I would be at that game. By the way, guys, and uh, I don't know. We talked about it last time about what happened to me in in the last game that ended in a ninety two minute one nil winner. So pray for me, pray for Chelsea, pray for Andre too, because he stresses loads. Um, yes, please do. And uh, yeah, I think that that is our podcast today. Unless Andre, you have any other words of wisdom? Nope. You can uh, wrap it up. Yeah, so uh, we, you know, we actually have done a lot of content this week. We, we had a, a guest over last week and we've just done this podcast. If you guys are happy, then we would really love for you to leave a review. Reviews work so well for us because it proves to other people why they should be listening. And it and it kind of proves why we put so much effort into this podcast. So we would absolutely love you for that. And, and also Frank Kirby would love it. If you guys could do that, that would be amazing. Check out all our other podcasts and, and keep in touch with even the main account because Andre tweets out... Um, he tweets live as the game happens and he's always got some he's got some good uns as they say um lined up <laughs> it was a really good tweet today about the the g kind of run up and the goal with, with spence and <laughs> loads of people press the heart button so you know this it's proof it's proof that we do tweet some good things so do check that out keep in touch with us in terms of the podcast we will be reviewing next week hopefully with another win in the bag and just just keep sending us all the love and support because we do appreciate all your efforts. Um, so we will see you next Sunday. Hopefully it will be on the back of the win against Spurs.